here this morning. Amen. If you'd stand with me for the reading of the word, we're going to go direct to the book of Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. And we're going to begin reading with verse number 1. From verses 1 to number 11. <clears throat> and uh, Genesis is that first book of the Bible, so you ain't got to look for... Nobody should be rustling their pages after five minutes. It's, it's right there in the beginning. Unless you have a Bible like mine and the, the pages are falling out and maybe you lost a page or two. Uh, Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 1. It says in the King James Version, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house, my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, this shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven. Amen. God speaks to Abram and begins to tell him, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, If thou be able to number them, and he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And verse 6 says, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees, to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. And verse number 11 is where I want to draw your attention today. It says, and when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. I want to read that one more time. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And I want to preach this morning on this topic, guarding your sacrifice. Guarding your sacrifice. Amen. Can we set our Bibles aside and let's ask the Lord to talk to us? Amen. God, we want your anointing to be upon us today. We come before you in this place today, Lord Jesus. I'm asking you to anoint my lips of clay, God. I'm asking you to use me as the mouthpiece of heaven today to your people. Help me, God, to speak into your church the words that you put in my heart and in my lips, Lord. I pray, God, that the anointing would not only be upon myself as a minister of the gospel, but I pray that the anointing would be upon the people here today to, to receive your word, to hear it, God, to receive it into their hearts. 
and to apply it to their lives and will not fail to give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated for a few moments. Amen. Guarding your sacrifice. The uh, first few chapters in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, amen, tells us the story about a man by the name of Abram, which would later be called Abraham. And Abram, the Bible tells us, lived in the city called Ur of the Chaldees with his father, Terah. And uh, through the process of time, Terah would leave would lead his children, Abram, and Abram's brothers, and probably no doubt his sisters, out of Ur of the Chaldees, which was a very civilized, a very modern uh, uh, city in that day, in that age in which they live. Uh, and Terah would leave his uh, would lead his children, Abram and his family, to the city of Haran in Canaan. And it was in Canaan that God began to uh, speak again to Abram and tell him the promises that uh, I'm going to show you a city. I'm going to, to bless you, you and your seed. And, and God was beginning to speak to Abram to come out from among the people which he lived. Now, I had grown up all of my life, and all of my life I thought that Abram had always lived for God. Amen. But if you study the scriptures, Abram did not always live for God. In fact, Abram grew up in an idolatrous home with an idolatrous uh, father, amen, who served the gods of the heathen nations. But it was in the process of time that Abram heard a voice that came from heaven and said to come out from among them uh, and to, to leave your father, to leave your mother, and I'm going to show you a place. I'm going to show you a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. But Abram heard a voice, and that voice spoke to him in Haran and Canaan. And then eventually Abram would find himself moving on to a city called Sychem. Uh, and he would stay there for a while. And then uh, due to the uh, events that was happening in his world at that time, Abram would be faced, as many others in his world, with a famine that was taking place in the land. And that famine would drive Abram and his family to a city called Egypt. We've heard about Egypt. Egypt throughout scriptures has been symbolized and uh, is a type of the world and a type of uh, servanthood, a type of uh, slavery and enslavement to sin. Uh, that is a connotation that Egypt has throughout Scripture. And uh, Abram leads his, his wife and his children and his family to Egypt for their sustenance to survive through the famine that was taking place at the time. And, and it was in that process of, in, in that visit to Egypt that Abram recognized, I have a beautiful wife. She's in fact very beautiful. And it probably wasn't just his biased opinion like every most husband has, rightfully so, their wife is the most beautiful woman. Uh, and it should be that way. But in fact, Abraham, Abram's wife was the most beautiful in the world at that time. And when they went to the city of Egypt, uh, Pharaoh uh, got word. He got wind of the fact that there was a very beautiful woman that was now in his, in his kingdom, in the land that he was ruling over. And, they, and Pharaoh called and summoned for Abram, uh, for, for Sarah, which was Abram's wife. And Abram did not want to uh, confess and say that this is my wife for fear that he would lose his own life. Uh, to Abram, it may have seemed like a small thing. It may have seemed like a small compromise. It may have seemed like a small sacrifice. Uh, 
It may have seemed like something very small, uh, but in fact, it would have some far reaching implications for Abram's family and for the world that was to come upon the scene. Uh, because it was through the process of uh, Abraham, Abram lying and saying that Sarah was his sister, so he would not lose his, his wife, uh, his life. Uh, and the Pharaoh took in Abram's wife to just give you a background of what happened. Abram uh, let his wife go to Pharaoh's palace. And God was looking out for his people like God always will do. Look out for his people in spite of our failures, in spite of our inconsistencies. And God caused uh, some pestilences and some, some tribulations, some, uh, some radical things to happen in Pharaoh's, uh, in Pharaoh's house. And it was God's way of getting Pharaoh's attention and saying, do not touch Sarah because I, I have anointed her. She's going to be a mother of many nations, if you will. Uh, and God was looking out for Abram and for Sarah. Uh, Pharaoh would eventually find out that Sarah was wife to Abram, the new visitors in town. And Pharaoh, uh, because of all the turmoil and the, and the distress that was brought on to his family because of Sarah's arrival in his palace, Pharaoh would, would send Abram and Sarah and their families, would send them out of Egypt and, and, and rid them and get rid of them because they were bringing uh, problems to his house. They would go from Egypt to Bethel in Canaan. And it was there that uh, we, we find the story of how that lot, uh, which was Abram's, nephew had pitched his tent uh, they had uh, different disagreements that was going on between Lot's herdsmen and his cattle and Abram's herdsmen and their cattle and Abram and Lot began to get together and discuss well, how are we going to resolve these differences and so Abram you know the story that Abram talked to Lot he said you choose one direction and I'll go the other direction we don't want to have this turmoil this this strain in the family relationship so you separate, you go one direction, and I'll go this direction for the sake of unity in the family. And Abram told Lot, if you choose the north, I'll choose. I'll go to the south. If you choose the east, I'll go to the west. You have first dibs. You've got the first choice on which direction you want to go. And the Bible says that Lot looked to the plains of Sodom, and they looked green, they looked beautiful, they looked luscious. And the Bible says that Lot chose, amen, to go in the direction of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible makes an interesting term and says that Lot pitched his tents towards Sodom. Amen. His heart was already bent in the direction to go towards Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom, which would later, uh, you would hear the term sodomy that came out of Sodom. There was so much vile sin that came out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it was a wicked place. But nevertheless, that was the direction that Lot began to, to turn his heart towards. And I want to tell you today, uh, you may say in this place today, I have not committed sin. I have not done bad, wicked things. But my heart is already uh, fixed towards a certain direction. I'm looking in a different direction from what I should be looking in. And that caused uh, some grave problems in Lot's family and the generations that would follow Lot. Amen. The Bible lets us to know through the process of time and the stories we read from Genesis chapter 11 and, and through 15 uh, that Abraham or Abram at this time had uh, he had accumulated great wealth. Abram had accumulated great wealth, very many riches up to this point in his in the in the account we read of for Abram uh, here in Genesis chapter 14 and chapter 15. 
Abram had uh, accumulated great wealth. He was a very wealthy man. In addition to the wealth that Abram acquired, Abram also acquired respect amongst the kings uh, and the kingdoms at the time in which he was living. Uh, Abram had now the respect uh, and the reverence of from Pharaoh's family towards him because Pharaoh recognized that Abram was a very powerful man because God was looking out for Abram. Amen. Uh, and I, I believe also that, that we can study and we can gather from the scriptures that in chapters 13 and 14 and, and different those chapters that they begin to give us uh, the story of, of the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible tells us that um, the, king, the kingdoms, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, they faced off with a different... Uh, rival nation and this rival nation uh, took captive the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah they took captive Lot and his family and it was uh, when Abram had found out that his nephew and his nephew's family and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah were taken captive the Bible says that Abram gathered together over 300 plus men of his of his encampment uh, of those that were with him and Abram gathered over 300 plus men and they faced off. They divided up and they faced off with the other rival nations at this time in the world. And the Bible says that God gave victory to Abram. God gave victory to him. And Abram was able to secure a Lot and Lot's family from these rival nations. And in addition to that, Lot, uh, Abram was also able to retrieve the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and to, and to uh, get victory over the, those rival nations. So Abram had acquired riches. He had acquired wealth. He had acquired the respect of the most powerful nation Probably at that time, Egypt, he had, he had obtained the great respect and reverence uh, from the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they wanted to, they wanted to put upon him and heap upon him riches and, and they wanted to bless him more. And, and Abraham had that divine favor of God upon his life. And that leads us to where we are here in chapter 15 of the book of Genesis. Abraham had seemingly all the things we would want in this life. He had... The, the riches, he had the wealth, he had notoriety, he had fame, he had respect, he had all of these things. And, and other the kings, the big, the big movers and shakers at the time recognized, they knew Abram's name, they, they reverenced him, they respected him, they did not want to touch him. Uh, he had a lot of respect in the land. But one thing he did not have still was that promise from God come to pass. He did not have that, uh, that son that God had promised would come from his loins. And so we come to Genesis chapter number 15. And Abraham hears again the voice of God as, as at other times. And God speaks to Abram. He says, I am thy shield. He says, fear not, Abram, in verse 1 of chapter 15. Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram says, Lord, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? Amen. Abram just jumps right to the point. And says, God, let's talk about a promise you made. Let's talk about the promise that I'm going to be the, the father of many nations. And let's talk about the promise you made me, God, that my, my, my seed was going to be like the stars of heaven. It was going to be like the sands of the seashore. Let's talk about that promise, God. And I want to tell you today, there's nothing wrong with approaching the throne of God with the holy boldness and, saying, and bringing your knees before the Lord. In fact, you ought to be the one to bring your knees before the Lord. Amen. It's, I, I hear some people in church throughout living for God and they come, they say, please pray for me. This was before I became pastor. And other churches, please pray for me. And I'm saying, 
You tell me that all the time, bro. You got to pray for yourself too. You got to walk with God. Abram knew how to take his petition before the Lord. Abram knew how to, to, to get right down to business. And he knew how to worship God. He knew how to be faithful to God. Amen. He knew how to approach the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But he said, God, what are you going to give me seeing I go childless? He was looking for a sign. And how many of us look for a sign from God? Amen. We're looking for a sign from God. But the response, it's almost as if the Lord did not even hear. Or at least Abram probably thought, God, you just ignore what I asked you. I'm asking you, God, for a sign. And the response, you can look at the response in the word of God. Amen. In verse number four. Amen. Behold, the Lord, the word of the Lord came unto him. This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth. Uh, he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels. Um, he shall be heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven, tell the stars. And, and, and verse 6, he believed in the Lord. And verse 7, I am the Lord that brought thee out of earth. The Chaldees, God just keeps speaking. God just keeps talking. He doesn't say, Well, I'm going to give you a sign. But one thing, one thing that he does say in verse number 9, where I want to point your attention. Verse number 9, the Lord does say, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a pigeon. Amen. The one thing that God does, does tell him to do in response to Abram's request for a sign is to worship him. Amen. How many times, amen, are we seeking some uh, sign from God? God, do you want me to do this, or do you want me to do that? God, can you confirm your word here? God, can you, can you make clear your word here? And God just sometimes just says, just worship me. Just begin to give me some praise. Just begin to prepare the sacrifice. Amen. Just begin to prepare a sacrifice for me and we'll talk after that. Amen. Verse 9, he gives them the details. An heifer of three years old. A she-goat of three years. A ram of three years old. Amen. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another. But the birds he divided not. Abram seeks a sign from God to prove that God's promises would indeed come to pass. But God doesn't give him a sign until he worships God first. I begin to study a little bit about why God chose the number three here for these particular uh, four-footed beasts. Three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old she-goat, a three-year-old ram. And uh, uh, one, one writer, commentator said that the three years of age was the age in which these animals would begin to produce offspring. Therefore, they were very valuable. And the connection that I want to make today is that uh, sacrificial worship will cost you something of value. Amen. God wants us to offer unto Him a sacrifice of praise. God wants us to give to Him a sacrifice. And oftentimes the sacrifice that God is requesting, that God is requiring of us, it will cost you something. Amen. Easy, free, cheap religion doesn't do anything for you or for me today. But it's, amen, it's a religion, it's a, it's a word from God that, that requires you to pay a price, that requires a cost, that requires a true sacrifice. Amen. That, bring, that gets the attention of God. Amen. You can come casually into the house of God. Amen. You can approach the throne of God with nonchalant attitude and a lackadaisical spirit. You can approach God with that. But I don't believe that gets God's attention. But it's when you begin to throw down the gauntlet, you begin to say, God, I'm going to commit the rest of my life to you. Not just a Sunday, 
God, I'm not just going to uh, to just come and just slap uh, a few leftover dollars or pennies uh, or quarters in the offering plate, but God, I'm going to prepare, God, a 10% tithe that you're asking of me. I'm going to I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to give an offering, and it will cost you. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes, so many times it hurts. But God will never be outdone. Amen. God will never be indebted to anybody. Abram, God had blessed Abram up to this point. Amen. God had blessed Abram up to this point. Uh, But God still wanted to uh, get from Abram a sacrifice. And God was uh, trying to teach Abraham. Abram at this point, I'm sorry. Uh, he was trying to teach Abram, amen, the meaning of sacrificial worship, uh, that it's going to cost you something. God appointed each that each of these beasts used for this service would be three years old because then they were at their full growth and strength. And the connection, again, is God must be served with the best that we have. Amen. They said three years of age, these beasts were fully grown. They were they reached their full strength. Uh, it was the best. They were at the prime of their life, if you will. And, and it's, it is similar today in what God is asking for you and from you and from I. He wants our best. He wants all of our strength. Amen. It's still uh, it's still God still commands us to give him all of our heart. All of our strength, all of our might, everything that we have, not the leftovers. Amen. Not not uh, when we're older, uh, we'll live for God. But in your in your teenage years, in your twenties, and in your thirties, Amen. When you're at the youth and the prime of life, Amen. That's the most opportune moment to give your life to God because there's so much strength, there's so much ability that you can give God, and God is teaching. Abram, God's teaching Abram, I want the best. I want full strength. I want something that is going to cost you something. I want to be worshipped and magnified. The four-legged animals were divided in half, but the birds were kept whole. We see from the scriptures, and here we get to verse number 11. When the fowls came down upon the carcass, Abram drove them away. The point I want to make right here is that the initial sacrifice is also not enough. It's not enough to come to church just once and just come to an altar just once and give a sacrifice and worship the Lord. It's not enough to just come one time. We do not believe and we do not subscribe to the uh, false doctrine of once saved, always saved. You've got to come back again and again and again and say, God, here I am again. Yeah, I came last Sunday, but here I am again this Sunday. I came last Wednesday, but here I am again this Wednesday. I'm going to come back again and again. I prayed yesterday, but I'm going to pray again today. And the initial sacrifice was not enough because we see from this account in Genesis chapter 15 that once Abram's sacrifice was made, it then had to be diligently guarded. Amen. The fowls that came down upon the carcass, 
amen, can be, uh, if I would for a few moments make the connection, they were demonic in nature. Amen. I want to connect the fact today that the Bible says that the devil is a prince of the power of the air. It wasn't a lion that attempted to steal the sacrifice or a hyena that attempted to steal the sacrifice. But it was the fowls. It was the fowls of the air. Amen. It was demonic in nature. Amen. The devil doesn't even care so much if you just come one time to an altar and, and just begin to worship God. He doesn't, he doesn't bother him. But when you begin, to, you begin to take that sacrifice and you begin to guard it, you begin to say, I'm going to keep my relationship with God strong. I'm going to keep guarding this sacrifice. The covenant and the commitment that I made to God, amen, 30-some years ago, Sister Gina, amen, however long it was ago, Brother Miguel, I'm going to keep guarding that sacrifice. I'm going to remember what it was like, Bishop Camarino, when I came to God as a backslidden preacher, amen, and God saved me. I'm going to remember back, and I'm going to say, God, I'm going to guard my commitment and my covenant, my, my covenant relationship with God. I'm going to keep that. I'm going to guard that. Amen. There's going to be so many things that come against you and I. There's going to be things that come against you when you leave this place today. There's going to be the whispers and the voices of doubt and unbelief. There's going to be people that oppose what we're doing here this morning. And you're going to hear a lot of voices. And there's going to be opposition that comes against my voice behind this pulpit. And it's going to, I'm going to tell you today, it's the fowls of the air that try to steal. They try to steal your commitment. They try to steal your covenant. They try to steal your relationship with God. And they try to minimize it. But you've got to be just like Abram in the sense that when the fowls begin to come to try to devour your sacrifice, amen, you are driving them away. Amen, the Bible says that Abram had those five animals. He had the ram, he had the heifer, the sheep, the turtle, dove, and the pigeon, those five animals. And three of those four legs, three of those animals he divided in half. One side from another. If you will, imagine half, the top half of the ram here, the bottom half of the ram here. The, the top half of the heifer was right here. The bottom half of the heifer was right here. And then over here, uh, he had the top half of the other animal and the bottom half of the other one. And then the, the turtle doves and the pigeons. And they were kind of spread out, if you will. Picture with me, if you will. Amen. Abram offering to God a sacrifice, and the, the carcasses spread out across a great little area here. A great area here. And the Bible says that Abram had done his part. He killed them. They were there dead on the ground. Abram sat and waited. He waited, the Bible says, until it was dark. He waited. He said, God, you gave me a word. I'm going to obey your word. And this is where a lot of times we can, we can uh, get discouraged. We can get uh, disappointed. We can say, God, I, I, you told me what to do. I, I, got, I got the bottom half here, the top half here. I got the ram, the, the she-goat, the heifer, the turtles, the pigeons. Turtle doves and pigeons, they're here. And now Abram just sat around, maybe. And said, okay, God, I'm going to wait upon you. God, it's in your hands. God, you told me what to do. You didn't give me the next steps, but you told me what to do. And as Abram began to wait 
upon the Lord like we ought to do. Wait upon the Lord. Amen. Abram, at that point, that was not the time for Abram to run and leave. And say, well, I, I did exactly what God said to do. I did exactly what the preacher said to do. And I don't see the I don't see any results. I don't see any any difference in my my situation, my predicament. I don't see any difference. I don't I, I everything looks the exact same. But what I've got to do, what you've got to do when you're waiting on God to perform his end of the bargain is you've got to make sure that the sacrifice you're offering to God stays untouched from the world. The sacrifice that you're offering to God stays unblemished from the world. God, while I'm waiting for you, God, while I'm waiting to hear what you want me to do next, God, I'm just going to keep taking care of my sacrifice. I'm going to keep taking care of my relationship with God. God, I don't know what's happening next. I don't know, God, what you want me to do next. But God, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to guard my sacrifice. I'm going to guard my sacrifice. I'm going to make sure that my, my relationship with you, my connection, my obedience to God is in step with what you told me to do. The fowls that came down upon the carcass tried to steal that sacrifice. There are all sorts of disturbances and distractions uh, that, were, that are going to come against you and your sacrifice, your walk with God, your covenant relationship with God. How you remove, amen, those, those things that are going to come against you is number one, by watchfulness. Abraham didn't just fall asleep after he did his part and say, well, I'm just going to take it easy. But he kept an eye out. I'm going to make sure that no, nothing uh, messes with the sacrifice. Nothing messes with my worship. I'm going to be watchful. I'm going to be vigilant. And I'm going to oppose those things that come against uh, my, my walk with God, my relationship with God, my worship. Whatever you want to put there in the middle. I'm going to make sure that I'm watching out and I'm going to oppose. And I'm not just going to oppose it one time. But those birds no doubt came time after time after time. Amen. You've probably seen, uh, you probably studied uh, nature and seen different documentaries uh, of the vultures that they be kind of kind of hover around and they they come in packs. They don't just come one by themselves, but they come in packs. They come to feast, and no doubt those vultures begin to hover all around Abram. He begins to say, "Well, wait a minute. There, there's a whole host of vultures, and these these birds of prey. They're trying. They're going to come any moment, and I've got to be watchful. And if you can imagine with me for a moment, the the sacrifice is spread across an altar." And Abraham, you know, he couldn't go from this end to that end very quickly. He, he had to be on his toes. He had to be vigilant. Amen. Just kind of shouting and, and chasing and waving his hands and trying to be big to scare off the birds of prey. And there's going to be things that come against you and I. And you have got to be vigilant. You've got to be watching out. The devil's going to try, amen, to come against your prayer life. It's oftentimes the thing that comes first. Amen. He tries to just say, why don't you just miss church today? It's just one service. Why don't you just skip prayer today? It's just one day. Why don't you just skip giving your tithe and offering? The pastor won't notice. Why don't you just skip, amen, uh, your commitment to being holy and living for God? Amen. Nobody's going to know. And he starts out with something small. Amen. I'm just going to uh, suppose, amen, in my thinking, amen, that those those birds of prey no doubt probably went for the little turtle doves and the pigeons first. They would have a hard time getting to the taking the big, uh, the big she goat, the big ram, the big heifer. They'd have a hard time getting that. I'm sure that they began to 
They begin to pinpoint and go after the little turtle dove and the pigeon. With just one foul swoop, I can take that turtle dove. I can take that pigeon. I can be quick. Picture Abraham watching the sacrifice until the sun went down and constantly attempting to drive off the vultures from the slain offerings. I'm going to tell you today that could get very exhausting. Physically exhausting. Amen. The Bible doesn't tell us the specific age of Abram at this point, but I would uh, suppose from scriptures that he was well beyond his 20s. He was not a young man anymore. And he had to run back and forth. That's, that's some exercise right there. Amen. That, that's, some, that's some physical exhaustion. That's some physical movement right there. Abram going back and forth. And no doubt his arms and his body uh, began to become weary with the waving and the chasing off of the birds of prey. Amen. It, it doesn't matter when you become weary, when you become exhausted. You've got to remember, I, this is my obligation. This is my duty to guard the sacrifice that I'm going to give to God. And I'm going to tell you today, do not give in when you become weary from doing what you know to do. Amen. Be not weary in well-doing, the Bible says. Be not weary in that when it comes to guarding your walk with God, guarding your worship, guarding your sacrifice. All of the things that are in the world are going to come against you. They're going to come against your sacrifice. And you, 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 you've got to make up in your mind, I'm just going to keep on doing what I know to do. I'm going to be watchful. I'm going to be vigilant. I'm going to pers- persevere. I'm going to oppose, amen, the vows of the air. Amen, the demonic attacks of hell against my mind, against my walk with God. I'm going to chase them away. I'm going to oppose them. I'm not going to give in. The fowls, these fowls of the air would love to consume the things that we consecrated to the Lord. Thereby preventing the covenant from being fulfilled. You see, this sacrifice that Abram had made for the Lord. The reason that they were split in half, the heifer, the ram, and the she-goat, is because in a covenant you had one with another, you had to walk through the middle of those sacrifices. You were cutting the covenant. You, you were making a blood covenant. Uh, you were saying, if, if I break this covenant, then I'll, then my life is over. And you, you're putting your life on the line. And Abram had done his part. And now Abram was waiting for God to begin to walk through the midst of that sacrifice and to begin to receive his, his sacrifice and accept it. Abram had to guard that. Because if the fowls of the air would have taken a half of a she-goat or a half of a ram or, or taken the turtle doves and the pigeons, that covenant relationship could not have been made. But he had to guard that. He had to, he had to guard that relationship. He had to guard that worship before the Lord. And we must drive back the spirits of darkness that are circling overhead in our lives. In this church today, you and I have got to be very watchful, be very vigilant, and we've got to oppose. There's going to be voices of doubt. There's going to be voices of confusion. There's going to be opposing voices to the the word preached behind this pulpit. And you've got to understand, as a mature saint of God, that's a fowl of the air. That's a bird of prey trying to swoop in 
and still my sacrifice. It doesn't, it's not going to always seem so apparent and so bold in your face. Sometimes it's going to seem very small. But the Bible says that the devil is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And relaxing your vigilance for one moment will give the opportunity for the birds of prey to dive in for a kill. If Abram would have said, well, I'm just going to take a break. I'm just going to take it easy. I'm tired. The birds of prey would have stepped in, would have swooped in to take in his sacrifice. The picture, if you will, of that sacrifice on that altar that day that Abram offered to God. It was a costly and a bloody experience to put to death the things, amen, that once were held dear. Amen. God is going to ask you and I to put some things upon the altar that many of us maybe we want to hold tight to. We want to hold on to. And we want to say, God, don't talk to me about this and don't talk to me about that. I love to I love to watch my shows. I love to I love to look at these magazines. I love to partake in these events and I love to do these things and, and don't talk to me about that. Amen. I'm going to tell you, it's a costly and a bloody experience when you begin to put some things to death that you once held dear. Amen. But I want to remind you today that the thing that we're striving for, the thing that we're aiming for, and my job as a pastor of this church is to make sure that every single one of us and our kids and our families make it to heaven. And we get to heaven. It may be a costly and bloody experience, But in view of heaven in our walk with Jesus, nothing is too good or too great a price to get to heaven. The first sacrifices targeted by the enemy are the little ones. If Satan can devour these, he will be emboldened to assault the larger consecrations in our lives. The enemy understands we cannot be influenced to go out tomorrow and commit some gross sin. But he can, however, lead us into gradually through a process of desensitization. Do those things. Sister Ruth Reader in her book, Covenant by Sacrifice, recounts the following facts from American history and world history. It is said of the book, Gone with the Wind, published by Margaret Mitchell in 1936, that it was the highest lump sum payment for a novel at the time. $50,000. It had become an award-winning bestseller. And shortly after the book's publication, Selznick International Pictures decided to make the story into a movie. Vivian Leigh starred as Scarlett O'Hara while Clark Gable played the part of Rhett Butler. The motion picture was released to the public in January of 1940 and went on to win 10 Academy Awards. One small curse word. Spoken at the end of the final scene had set that film apart from any other film that had ever been released to date. One small curse word. And if you heard it, you probably wouldn't bat an eye because we've heard so many curse words in our world today. But America was scandalized. This type of language had never, uh, according to American history, this type of language had never been used Never before been used in the national media. 
However, it was not long before concerns had calmed. And people began to downplay it and say, after all, it was just one four-letter word. And it seemed appropriate ending to the story. But there, there was no reason to get overly concerned about one dirty little word. But it was that one single minuscule expletive, that seemingly insignificant indiscretion that had breached the foundation of America. Because just over 50 years later, the floodgates of filth have been unleashed into our society through the film industry and through television and movies. Pornography and sex, violence, filthy language now are the norm. Crime has risen exponentially in homes, schools, malls. The list goes on. But to think it started with something so seemingly insignificant. And what I'm saying today is we've got to guard our walk with God. We've got to make sure even the small things we're, we're keeping an eye. God, help me to guard my sacrifice. Help me to make sure, God, that I, nothing is going to come between me and you. And I'm not going to let any small things slide, but I'm going to keep vigilant. And going to guard my sacrifice. Or uh, consider the great city of Ephesus in terms of world history that is often mentioned in the Old Testament. Ephesus was the cultural and commercial center of the day. Ephesus was known for its bustling harbors, broad avenues, gymnasiums, baths, amphitheaters, and the magnificent temple of Diana. It was a thriving city that was on the forefront of society. What happened to bring about its gradual decline until the harbor was no longer crowded with ships and the city was no longer a flourishing metropolis? Was it smitten by plagues? Was it destroyed by a powerful enemy force? Was it demolished by a great earthquake? No, the answer, it was silt. The nonviolent and silent silt. Over the years, fine sedimentary particles slowly filled the harbor, distancing the city from the economic life of the sea traders. Evil practices and little acts of disobedience may seem harmless, but let the silt of sin gradually accumulate, and we will find ourselves far from God. It's the small things in life that can destroy the things that God wants to bless us with. I believe it's Ecclesiastes. It says uh, the, the fly, amen, messes with the apothecary, the ointment. It's something so small, something so that you may look at as being insignificant. Why does the pastor, the preacher, the evangelist, why do they make such a big deal about these small things? They're not that big a deal. But it's some things that they may be seemingly small and insignificant that with time and they gradually accumulate and you find yourself so distant from God. I've watched people's lives through the years. They can start out so strong and so on fire for God. I love God with all of my heart. I'll do anything. I'll be here seven days a week, Pastor. Whatever you ask. And then the days turn into months and the months turn into years. 
and you see a life that used to be filled with prayer in the home and Bible reading and consecration before the Lord. And in place of the Bible reading, now there's 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 such a television. In place of uh, your walk with God and making time for prayer, now now you're going out to a ball game. Now you're going out to to do something else to fill your time with. The Song of Solomon. There's a verse in the Song of Solomon. It says, "Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes." And it is still the little foxes that have destructive power in our lives. It's the little things in life. There's not going to be someone that just comes to you today and says, Hey, you want some crack cocaine? No, I don't do drugs, bro. You're tripping. It may be something a little bit different. Hey, there's a party this Sunday. It's a family party. It's a birthday party. Sunday morning. Well, you know, it's it's not that bad. I'm, you know, we're trying to reach out to our family, and yeah. and then you miss a Sunday, yeah. and you should be in church. And then the next Sunday comes, and well, you know, I I worked a lot. I'm a little tired. Amen. I'll just miss one more, and that little fox begins to work its way in our lives. Yeah. And then we say, after a while, and this is how the devil works. Well, you know, I haven't been in a while. They're probably talking about me. If I go, I'm going to feel embarrassed. I better just stay away for a while. And then the devil begins to heap condemnation. Don't even think about living for God. You're, you're a hypocrite. You're, a, you're a no good for nothing. And that little fox begins to work its way through that vineyard. And you find yourself so distant from God. And it started... Was something insignificant. And it's not a sin. To go to a family member's birthday party. But it happened to be. On the Sunday morning. It just happened to be Sunday morning. There, I cannot tell you the number of times. Growing up in, under my, my father and mother. That we got request after request. For family reunions. That happened Sunday morning. Family reunions. Sunday morning. The uncle you haven't seen in how long and they want to get together. Sunday morning. Of all days in the week, of all days in the year, you pick a Sunday morning. And I watched my mom and dad say, sorry, we can't make it. We're going to be in church. We could come after if you're still there. And they were on guard, if you will. Their sacrifice was laid upon an altar. And a bird of prey came in and said, let me have some of that. Let me take your Sunday morning commitment to God. Let me take your, your, your time for prayer. There's been many times, even recently, I ask, I call my mom. I say, Mom, we're waiting for you. <laughs> Come on, Mom. We're, we're trying to get this thing going over here to get together. I'm still praying, son. I haven't finished praying. And I respect that. Because... You know, I could be a hindrance just like anybody else. And mama and daddy are guarding that sacrifice. Nothing's going to take the place of their walk with God. So many times, Brother Paul, you can attest to this. At, At home, growing up, 
We needed mom for something. She had locked the door to her bedroom. And she was praying. And you could knock on that door and she'd say, I'm not done yet. I'm still praying. And you learn to respect. When they're praying, you don't interrupt them. They're, they're worshiping before the Lord. And nothing can come. Nothing can come and steal that sacrifice. Nothing could come and steal that sacrifice upon the altar. Take us to foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. The tender grapes can be compared to our children. Our children are watching us, and what we do, listen to me carefully, what we do in moderation, the next generation will do in excess. And through a study of nature and wildlife, I've seen that the fox is always, always the unassuming creature. I've seen it on YouTube videos, watching National Geographic on YouTube and trying to, you know, uh, watch the behavior of these animals. And the fox is that playful creature that kind of comes along and finds a little baby calf and begins to play with it back and forth. And he's teasing that little calf and he's, he's going back and forth. And he gets the, the calf to wander a little bit over here and he plays with him and comes back. And the fox is playing with him. And until eventually the fox gets that little baby calf out a little bit further, more isolated from its mom and dad. And the mom and dad's not watching. And then that little fox, that little playful fox, launches out and grabs a hold of its throat. The fox that is the unassuming creature that tries to play with the youngster in the flock. And then after the unassuming fox has isolated the youngster, he moves in for a fatal blow or bite. Sometimes it's just a small thing. We think, well, I'll just play with this a little bit. I'll just dabble with this a little bit. It's the little sins and the weights that entrap us, entice us down a path of compromise. After all, they're just little foxes. They're just little things. The story, one more story. The story is told of an encounter between two men. One had walked on foot from the Golden Gate Bridge to New York City. The other man had uh, a keen interest in discovering what was his greatest difficulty. What was the greatest difficulty for the traveling man that arose when he went from one coast to the other coast. He asked him the question, was it the great mountain passes that uh, almost caused you to turn back? Was that the most difficult part in the journey? Was it the great mountain passes? He said, no. He said, was it the, was the, was it the great wide rivers that you had to sw- swim across? Was it, was it those big rivers with, the, with that powerful current that almost took you down? Was it, was the, was it those massive rivers? No. Scratched his head a little bit and said, man. Was it those predators in the wildlife that you had to fight off the bear? Was it the, was it the predators? Was it the things that you had to encounter? Did you have to, to beat with the stick? Did you have to shoot with the gun? Was it those predators that came to destroy you? His answer, again, was no. But the, then the traveler responded, What almost defeated me in my journey across the continent was the sand in my shoes. And life is forever tripping over trivial things. Things that are so small. Things that are so trivial. It's not the big diversion that sends us down the path of compromise. 
But it's usually just a subtle curve in the road. It's the little foxes. It's, it's those birds of prey that are just looking for a little entrance into your life. Because if they would have still, if they would have stolen one turtle dove or one pigeon or one half of the she goat or the ram or, or the heifer, they would have destroyed that covenant relationship. Just one. You say, well, I still got half of the ram here. That bird can take the other half. Maybe they're hungry and justify it. But you've got to make sure that devil is not going to come near my walk with God. That, that enemy of my soul is not going to come near it. I'm going to make sure that I have everything tied together. My eyes dotted, T's crossed. If we could stand to our feet today, amen, I'd like to bring this to a, a close. I'm talking today about guarding your sacrifice. It is a, uh, in, in some ways, in many ways, a, a sobering topic. It's not something we shout over or dance over. It's something that we have to have eyes wide open and say, God, is there any area in my life that I'm not being vigilant about? Is there areas in my life that I've allowed the devil to lie to me and say, that doesn't matter so much? You can miss service whenever you want to miss service. You can skip tithing. You can skip offering. You, you can begin to, to, to dress like the world and talk like the world and, and, and look at the things that the world looks at. You can do those things and it's okay. And not knowing that the enemy has stolen some of your sacrifice. Yesterday, my wife and I, the baby, we went to a funeral in Modesto for uh, Brother Brian Holston. Hey man, he was... Uh, a man that had lived for God for a long, long time. And there was a lot of ministers there at that funeral. And those songs they began to sing, they began to sing about heaven. They began to sing about uh, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And they began to sing the song about, uh, I, I clapped my hands and sang glory to the Son of God. And they begin to sing all these wonderful songs about when we get to heaven and what what rejoicing it's going to be like. And it caused me to remember the reason we're doing what we're doing today. The reason why you guard your sacrifice. The reason why you live for God. The reason why you come to church service after service after service. The reason why you give 10% of your income in tithing. By the world standards, that's, that's crazy. You've got to be able to survive on your own. The reason why we do all of these things, we're guarding the sacrifice. We're, we're making sure that when it's all said and done, when, when it's all over, amen, when, when everything comes to a close, amen, that, that goal of getting to heaven, we're going to be able to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. It reminded me yesterday of why I am living for God. I'm not living for God just because I, I, I just love coming to church. I'm living for God because one day I want to see his face. And I want to hear some certain words come from his lips that say, Well done, Nathaniel Camarina. You've done well. Come up. Come up hither. That's why I keep pressing forward. That's why I guard the sacrifice. That's why I guard my time with God. 
That's why I, I make sure that I, I live holy. I'm living separated from the world and I'm consecrating my life to God. That's why I press forward. That's why I guard my sacrifice. It's because at the end of it all, I want to go to heaven. I want, I want to be there. And I still believe that there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. Whatever it costs. Whatever it costs. And I don't want anything to throw me off course. I want to go to the city where there's no night. I want to go to the city where the Lamb is the light. I want to go, amen, to the city where the streets are paved with gold. I want to go, amen, to the city where the walls are made of jasper. I want to go to the city where the gates are made of pearl. I want to go to the city where Jesus is sitting upon a throne, a throne in heaven. I want to get there. And if God wants me to guard my sacrifice, and if God wants me to be diligent and vigilant about guarding every area of my life, I'm going to do what I've got to do. I'm going to hop over every hurdle. I'm going to go through every wall of opposition. I'm going to fight off every bird of prey. I'm I'm going to be vigilant. I'm going to do everything in my power that I might get there. I wonder if we could lift our hands to the Lord here in this place and we close this service today. And I want us to talk to the Lord. I want you to talk.